Due to the graphic nature of this cult's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of murder and abuse that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. It was the middle of a frigid black night in 2004. Fresh snow hushed even the skittering of nimble deer near bucolic Knutby, a whistle-stop town north of the Swedish capital of Stockholm. From the shadows, a hooded figure edged across the vast white landscape into a quiet house. Once inside, they snuck down the hall past the nursery where a pastor lay beside his three sleeping children. The figure crept on to a neighboring guest room. Moments later, a gunshot rang out, then another, and one more. Had the sounds awoken the pastor, he would have scrambled down the hall to find his new wife lying in a pool of dark blood. She'd been shot once in the abdomen and twice in the head. Adding insult to injury, a knife jutted out from her neck. The next morning, after the pastor discovered the bloody scene, the murderer came forward. It was the couple's 26-year-old babysitter. She said God himself instructed her to murder the preacher's wife. In fact, she insisted that God communicated with her directly via text message. Hi, I'm Greg Polson. And I'm Vanessa Richardson. And this is Cults, a podcast original. Every Tuesday, we look at a cult's practices, their leader, and their followers. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Cults for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Cults in the search bar. Last week, we charted the disturbing goings-on at the Pentecostal Church of Knutby, Philadelphia in the late 1990s. After Helene Fosmo, the wife of one of the head pastors, was found dead in her bathtub, church members believed she was called home to God. In the wake of her death, the church's guru, the Bride of Christ, convinced her congregation that the end of days was near. Today, we'll look at the ways Pastor Helga Fosmo further took advantage of his followers. We'll discuss how he manipulated his mistress into committing a string of monstrous crimes in early 2004. We've got all this and more coming up. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. Search To Die For in your podcast app to follow the show. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. 
Pastor Helga Fosmo moved his young family to Canutby, Philadelphia in 1997 at the behest of his magnetic new friend, Usa Valdau. She had an absolutist hold on the more than 60-member sect of the Swedish Pentecostal Church. Over time, Pastor Fosmo became sexually involved with Usa. She'd assumed the title of Christ's Bride and demanded Fosmo's body as the vessel for Jesus' love. Then, when Fosmo's wife died mysteriously, Usa insisted he marry her little sister, Alexandra. The two wed in 2000, but there was no honeymoon phase. Because around this time, 29-year-old Fosmo started romancing another young woman, his children's babysitter, Sara Svensson. Fosmo may have loved Sara at first, but eventually she became nothing more than his puppet. The more he manipulated her, the more she clung to him. In the spring of 2001, 29-year-old Fosmo posed the ultimate question to his mistress. Would she be willing to kill another human being in the name of God? Sara was wary of the question. She tried her best to deflect, but Fosmo was persistent. At first, it was morbid pillow talk, but eventually, Fosmo pushed harder. Would Sara be willing to commit a crime if her victim had disobeyed the church? Could she do God's bidding and punish an evil soul? Once Fosmo had planted the wicked seed in Sara's mind, he watered it, gave it sun and room to grow. Finally, he convinced her that even murder would be righteous. That's when he offered up her target, his new wife, Alexandra. When Sara asked the pastor why God would want her to kill Alexandra, Fosmo twisted the church's language to his own ends. Usa preached that someone who stood in the way of Christ's return should be taken home. If called home, the victim's soul would be mercifully returned to God. According to Fosmo, Alexandra was disobedient. She refused her husband's authority and God's will. She needed to be called home. But Sara saw Alexandra was a caring stepmother to Fosmo's children. She didn't want to kill her. So Pastor Fosmo started isolating her. He wanted Sara to be so dependent on him, she'd do anything for his approval. Using his influence in the church, he told Usa and the others Sara was an instrument of Satan. Fosmo admitted he'd been tempted by her, but he was ready to repent for his sin. She served as his scapegoat, and the congregation bought his story. He insisted Sara's sinfulness was contagious. As a result, church members begged Sara to stay home. The pastor made sure she stayed alone in her room as much as possible. Vanessa is going to take over on the psychology here and throughout the episode. Please note, Vanessa is not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist, but she has done a lot of research for this show. Thanks, Greg. Sara Svensson was eventually diagnosed with DPD, otherwise known as Dependent Personality Disorder. According to psychiatrist Dr. Robert Waldinger, for those without strong social connections, loneliness can be toxic. Chronic loneliness occurs when there's a lack of emotional and mental resources to meet a person's social needs. Negative health consequences can include depression and impaired decision-making. Some Kanupi believers said they saw Sara with people on occasion. They thought she was fine. But Fosmo was the only person she was truly able to have any meaningful connection with, and their visits took place in secret. Things stayed like this for a little over a year, 
Nasty rumors continued to circulate about Sara, exacerbating the distance. Eventually, she could only depend on Fosmo for his secret visits. He was free to manipulate her without interference from the outside world. So in midsummer 2003, when 32-year-old Fosmo surprised Sara with plans for a romantic excursion, she accepted immediately. He claimed he wanted to tend to their fading love. Sara was giddy with hope. The clandestine pair escaped to Norway. Under the midnight sun, they circled forest lakes and strolled through archaic wooden towns. The stresses of Knutby seemed long gone, and Sara finally felt safe again. She was back in Fosmo's good graces. But Pastor Fosmo had a hidden agenda. The time was right to revisit the question of killing his wife, Alexandra. Sara was again reluctant, but this time, Fosmo twisted the knife. He revealed to Sara that he was in love with someone else. He had been sleeping with one of his married followers. Sara got jealous and was suddenly more desperate for his affection than ever, which was exactly what Fosmo wanted. The only way to win him back was to do what he asked. This emotional manipulation disoriented Sara. She felt lost. She apologized to Fosmo profusely for what she wasn't quite sure and doubled down on her spiritual purpose. In her mind, the only path toward eventual redemption now was as Fosmo's lackey. Their agreement in place, the couple returned to Knutby. Once home, Fosmo upped his manipulative game considerably. Around this time, Sara started receiving prophetic text messages from an anonymous sender. The messages were eerily in line with all the things that Fosmo had been saying, but Sara hadn't told anyone about their conversations. She eventually concluded the texts must be coming directly from God. That belief, paired with the pastor's instruction, convinced Sara to kill Alexandra. While Sara texted with God, she also started having sex with Fosmo every single day. Of course, their intimacy didn't stop Fosmo from continuing his other affair. Plus, he was still sleeping with his wife, Alexandra, even though she'd been relegated to the guest room. With all the other women around, Sara felt she was shrinking. She just didn't seem to matter to Fosmo anymore, and she was devastated. That despair was exactly what the pastor wanted. He told her to kill Alexandra yet again. This time, he added another name to Sara's kill list. Alexandra's boss and their next-door neighbor, Daniel Linda. Sara demanded to know why Linda was suddenly in the picture. Fosmo told her he'd fallen in love with Annette Linda, Daniel's wife, and Usa Valdau's sister-in-law. All told, that meant Fosmo was romantically involved with at least three different women, but he could only trust Sara to do what needed to be done. Coming up, Sara attempts to take out her first victim on God's behalf. Now back to the story. In the fall of 2003, 32-year-old pastor Helga Fosmo took extraordinary measures to convince his lover, 26-year-old Sara Svensson, into believing that she was called by God to carry out a murder. Fosmo told Sara that she needed to kill his wife, Alexandra, and his next-door neighbor, Daniel, because they were called home to heaven. After years of making Sara believe they were true soulmates, the pastor revealed he'd fallen in love with Daniel's wife, Annette. 
Her brother happened to be Patrick Valdo, husband to Usa Valdo, the leader of their church. He wanted Sara to get rid of Daniel and Alexandra so he could be with Annette. It's possible that Sara considered walking away from Fosmo at this point. She may have contemplated escaping the sick drama that had permeated the last four years of her life. But if she'd had the clarity of thought to leave Knutby behind, it was fleeting. The pastor had done a number on her. The more he manipulated her, the more he seemed to get away with. His status in the church connected his authority to God's authority. Sara conflated her beliefs about love with her beliefs about Jesus, the end of days, and her standing in the world at large. Sara said, Helga's word was my law. By the grace of God, I got to be his slave. She also may have blamed herself for pushing Fosmo into trysts with other women. Her self-blame was likely directly linked to her dependent personality disorder. According to Harvard Health Publishing, because those with DPD intensely fear disapproval, they find it difficult to refuse requests, especially from anyone they depend on. They allow themselves to be intimidated and avoid even justified anger. To gain the support they think they need, they may volunteer for unpleasant tasks, submit to unreasonable demands, and tolerate verbal, physical, or sexual abuse. In conjunction with her DPD and extreme lack of self-esteem, Sara accepted Fosmo's proposal. She decided she would be the one to carry out his disturbing spiritual assignment. She would kill Alexandra and Daniel. On November 8, 2003, Pastor Fosmo waited with bated breath in his car, cell phone in hand. He was hoping to hear any minute that Sara had done the deed. The night was brisk, bracing. Fosmo bounced his leg anxiously. He was desperate to know what was taking so long. Across town, Sara made her way through his house. She crept to the guest room where Alexandra slept. When she got to the door, she took a deep breath. She could do this. She could do this. In Jesus' name, she could send the pastor's disobedient wife home to God. Slowly, she opened the door. The house was quiet. Sarah's heart throbbed in anticipation. She trembled, gripping the claw hammer she'd brought to do the job. She moved to Alexandra's bedside to take a closer look and saw the pastor's wife was fast asleep. Her chest rose and fell, rose and fell. She was completely at peace. Sara envied Alexandra's calm. She tried to sync her breathing with that of her sleeping target. In, two, three, out, two, three. In, two, three, out, two, three. She raised the hammer above her head. One hard strike, that's all God would require. She clenched the hammer so hard her hand went numb. Alexandra shifted in her sleep, letting out the slightest whimper. Jarred by the sound, Sara swung the hammer blindly. The blow was unsteady and Alexandra woke up, horrified. Somehow she managed to survive the attack and sprung up to defend herself. Startled, Sara fled the scene as fast as she could. The text Fosmo waited for never came. Sara had failed him. She'd failed God. She underestimated the force necessary to kill. She'd thought that just swinging the hammer would be enough, that God would take care of the rest. But she was sorely mistaken. 
After the attack, Alexandra went to her sister's. While Usa was ready to phone the police, Alexandra begged her not to. She didn't think Sara was truly dangerous. She insisted momentary madness must have possessed the woman. So Usa decided to keep the assault under wraps. She ordered Sara to leave Kanupi immediately and forever. Excommunicated from the church with nowhere else to go, Sara moved in with her father in southern Sweden. She wandered his property like a ghost, lost in a daze. She'd failed God. She'd lost her church. What would become of her? The pastor steered clear of Sara in the aftermath of the failed ambush. Publicly, he wanted nothing to do with Sara. But privately, he had to keep her on task. He started calling Sara again nearly every day. He bombarded her with texts both as himself and posing as God. He reassured her she'd have another chance to make things right. No one from Knutby knew they were still communicating. On the heels of her failure, Sara became doubly desperate to prove her value to Fosmo and to God. She started sending the pastor money, forking over almost everything she had. Her offering even included the inheritance she received after her mother passed away. Meanwhile, she grew more committed to her mission. Not only would she send Alexandra mercifully home to God, but she would also bring down the pastor's neighbor, Daniel Lind. As December 2003 rolled around, 26-year-old Sara focused on her preparations. She made plans to travel to Stockholm. It was no ordinary getaway. It was a covert effort to get everything she needed to bring down her targets. She shopped for the appropriate attire. She scoured the city for the right tools. She wouldn't take any chances this time. Sara even met with an underground firearms dealer in Stockholm. This was a feat in and of itself. Reports indicate that gun smuggling almost never happened in Sweden at the time. In spite of the challenges, Sara returned to her father's home with a new handgun. She fashioned her own silencer. She was isolated at her father's, but not alone. God texted her regularly, and Pastor Fosmo always messaged and called. In the eight weeks leading up to the second attempt on Alexandra's life, Pastor Fosmo and Sara traded well over 2,000 text messages. Sara coveted the messages. Pentecostalists cherish the sensation of the Holy Spirit moving through their bodies. Within Sara, the Spirit seemed to be on fire. And if the feeling dulled, she voiced her fear and concerns to Fosmo. Almost every time she expressed doubt, God would miraculously chime in. The text read, Do not feel and do not brood. It is your way to peace, as it is his. Fosmo reminded Sara time and time again to obey God's will. He insisted she follow the path of the righteous, no matter the cost, no matter the repercussion. He asked her repeatedly, Will you pass God's test? Will you be strong? In her isolation, Sara was just happy to have the pastor's attention. She kept him engaged for hours when she could. He was an expert in biblical knowledge, so Sara occupied his time with questions. Her favorite subject was the story of Abraham and Isaac. In the Bible, God asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Abraham obediently prepares Isaac to be killed, but at the last possible second, God intervenes and spares the boy. Sara incessantly asked if her test was akin to God testing Abraham. 
Maybe she'd only have to prepare to kill Alexandra. As desperate as she was to be loved, she was even more desperate to be seen as good in the eyes of God. But Fosmo refused to accept Sara's comparisons. He said it was different because she lived in the modern world. This was no mere test. Nevertheless, she clung to the allegory and hoped. Over time, Sara grew convinced that she was God's new Abraham. Isaac was Alexandra. But she was less sure about Daniel. She wondered if he really needed to die too. Another text from God said, The first is your obligation. The other you can do out of love. It must be done. Sarah pondered the instructions. Do out of love. Eventually, she believed if she was truly chosen to carry out the special will of God, she'd be rewarded by the return of Fosmo's love. As the new year approached, Sarah begged God to intervene to call off the test. But instead, the Holy Spirit only encouraged her more. Sarah's cell phone chimed ceaselessly. Messages read, You need to make up your mind and not brood whether you should do it. Find a secure solution. You will prove your love by liberating him. Time flies and you cannot push it in front of you. Make your decision and find a secure solution. Do not trust other people. You yourself can do what you must. It is not too late yet, but soon do not risk that he will do it himself out of desperation. There is still time. For his sake and because of his appeal for you, it will not be too late. Finish it now. You will do it. You can. God never stopped. He sent her text after text after text, willing her to carry out his command. Sarah steeled her resolve. On January 9th, 2004, the 26-year-old readied herself for what tomorrow would bring. The only thing left to do was guide Alexandra to a merciful end. Her sinister deed would change Knutby forever. Up next, Sarah finds herself in Alexandra's bedroom once again. And this time, she would not flinch. Now back to the story. 32-year-old pastor Helga Fosmo was a popular member of the Pentecostal Church of Knutby, Philadelphia in 2004. But beneath his pious, charming exterior lurked an evil manipulator. He was cheating on his wife, Alexandra, with multiple women. He was also coercing his most impressionable mistress, Sarah Svensson, to kill Alexandra. Fosmo had to be careful to carry out this manipulation without his wife's sister, Usa Valdau, finding out. As the head of the church, almost nothing went on in the congregation without Usa catching wind of it first. However, she reportedly left town at the start of 2004 for work in London. With her gone, Fosmo felt confident that his plans would be successful. He called his mistress to act. On January 10, 2004, 26-year-old Sarah readied herself to murder. The Lord asked her to be his mercenary, and she agreed. Now was the time to send the pastor's wife home to heaven. The early morning was dark and cold. If not for the snow, Sara would have completely blended into the blackness, shrouded in her dark hoodie. As she stood outside the pastor's home, she checked her phone one last time, hoping for a text from God telling her to abort her mission, to call her off as he had tested Abraham. But there was nothing. 
she reluctantly inched up the steps and opened the door to the pastor's house. She was in. Fosmo was meant to sleep in the nursery that night, but as Sara slipped past the kid's room, she wondered if he might still be awake. She wanted to lock eyes with him, if just for a moment. Maybe he'd tell her to stop, but she couldn't risk waking the children. She forged on, leaving her lover alone with his kids. When she entered the guest room, she caught a flash of deja vu. This was the second time in just over two months she'd watched Alexandra sleep. Last time she stood over her with a hammer. Now she held a loaded revolver. She would not fail again. Sarah cocked the pistol. Inches from her target, she shuddered, taking aim. A bead of sweat ran from her brow to the corner of her lip. She licked it away, idly wondering how she could be sweating on such a cold night. She took one final breath and pulled the trigger. One shot flew into Alexandra's gut. Sara raised the gun higher and then sent two more bullets through her head. She could have run, should have run after that, but instead, Sara pulled a knife from her belt and jammed it into Alexandra's neck. At last, Sara stumbled back. She took one last look and moved coolly out of the room, leaving the pastor's wife to bleed out in her bed. She stalked back outside into the frozen night, though she no longer felt the cold. The Holy Spirit was coursing through her veins now, warming her to her core. Sara next made her way up to a neighbor's porch and tried to barge in, but the door was locked. She pounded her fist against the wood. Each knock left a stamp of Alexandra's fresh blood on the side of the house. After a moment, Daniel Linda woke up and groggily shuffled down the steps. He opened up to find a hooded figure standing on his stoop, for a second, he wondered if it was some kind of prank. Before he could react, Sara raised her revolver and blasted a hole into his chest. The bullet missed his aorta by a single millimeter. Sara's second shot pierced Daniel's jaw. She watched the man collapse and then fled to her father's car. Sara thought she'd succeeded once again, but Daniel clearly had a guardian angel watching over him that night. A friend who was staying the night rushed downstairs to find him bleeding on the floor. He grabbed the telephone and called Pastor Fosmo for help. When the pastor got the call, he bolted to Daniel's aid. Fosmo accompanied him to Uppsala University Hospital just in time to get the medical care he needed. Once stable, Lind described his attacker as a masked man, but the police had reason to believe the shooter was Sara Svensson. The next day, on January 11, 2004, Sara was arrested. She confessed to the murder of Alexandra Fosmo and to the attempted murder of Daniel Lind. She also assured the police that she had acted entirely alone. When the police asked Sara why she did it, her answer was simple. She said, it was the right thing to do. Next, she allegedly drew a map for the cops to the Ulan Bridge. She told them exactly where she'd thrown the murder weapon. She tossed it right into the Kalmar Strait of the Baltic Sea. But despite her insistence that she'd acted alone, the police began to suspect Sara had an accomplice. By that point, word about her previous attack on Alexandra had spread. The police found it odd that Pastor Fosmo never pressed charges after Sara had tried to kill his wife. 
In late January 2004, less than three weeks after the murder of his second wife, 32-year-old Fosmo was arrested as a suspected accomplice. Soon after his capture, members of the Knutby Assembly turned on their pastor. They referred to him as a tool of the devil and said Satan was the source of his power. A few months later, the police filed additional charges against Fosmo. They'd taken a closer look at the death of his first wife, Helene, and now suspected Fosmo might have been involved in her murder as well. Fosmo unequivocally denied it all. Meanwhile, the police began to look at Annette Lind. Once law enforcement realized she was also sleeping with Fosmo, Annette was arrested on suspicion of complicity in the attempted murder of her husband, Daniel. The news made papers everywhere. One of the most compelling aspects of the case were the mysterious text messages exchanged between Sara and the sender who claimed to be God. A forensic lab was able to recover 20 deleted text messages from Svensson's Nokia SIM card. Investigators also traced a call that took place between Pastor Fosmo and Sara Svensson just minutes after she'd murdered Alexandra and shot Lind. When all was said and done, the court deemed Pastor Fosmo to be the mastermind behind the murder and attempted murder. Without a doubt, he'd been anonymously sending Sara cryptic texts and making her believe they came from God. Fosmo was an accomplished manipulator, but it's possible his overconfidence was his downfall. He'd been praised by the church for so long, he may have felt immune to any consequences. The pastor had gotten so good at hiding his affairs that he may have boldly believed he could hide the evidence of his involvement, namely his anonymous texts from God to Sara. When questioned, Fosmo claimed he didn't know anything about the incriminating texts, but law enforcement had already traced the messages to his phone. It wasn't until 2006 that 35-year-old Fosmo officially changed his tune. He admitted that he did pass the messages on to Sara, but he stated he wasn't the one who wrote them. Instead, he insisted Usa Valdau drafted the messages. She was the true mastermind. The Bride of Christ herself forced him to retype and forward her texts, so he said. When asked why he hid the fact that they came from Usa in the first place, he told officials she threatened the life of his young daughter. According to Fosmo, Usa made him swear never to breathe a word of her involvement. In the end, prosecutors didn't buy Fosmo's tale. They concluded that Pastor Helga Fosmo used cryptic texts, alienation, spiritual shunning, and even sexual tactics to bully and manipulate her into psychosis. Sara was determined to be psychologically unstable. She was a victim of mind control at the hands of her lover and boss. She was diagnosed with unspecified psychological disorder with religiously colored convictions of psychotic value. There was some debate about exactly what Sara suffered from and how much free will she had in light of Fosmo's emotional abuse. In his book, Violence and New Religious Movements, James R. Lewis wrote, some scholars claim that religious violence is inherently more vicious than other kinds of violent behavior. The inclusion of a divine or an ultimate authority makes people more willing to use extraordinary violence. Others claim that religion is never the real reason behind religious violence. There are always other injustices behind it. 
It's hard to say whether Fosmo planted the desire to murder in Sara's mind or whether he simply inflamed violent tendencies that were already present. He played on her faith, but he also seized on her need for romantic love. In the end, Sara was committed to a psychiatric ward. After seven years of treatment, she was released and has stayed out of the public eye since. Fosmo was found guilty of solicitation of the murder of Alexandra and the attempted murder of Daniel Linda. He was, however, acquitted of the murder of his first wife, Helene. For his other crimes, he was sentenced to life imprisonment by the district court. Though he tried to appeal his convictions, the verdict was upheld. A few years into his sentence, he remarried from prison. As for Usa Valdau, in the wake of her sister's death, Usa isolated herself in her walled-in home. Her neighbors refused to look her in the eye. For some time, she wouldn't set foot in the church. She expressed feeling deeply let down that the Pentecostal movement didn't support her congregation. Once the frenzy faded, though, Usa re-emerged and attempted to rebrand herself. She opened a health spa and released an album of Knutby Philadelphia's favorite hymns. In 2016, she fled Knutby with yet another pastor. After the bloodshed, the Canopy Philadelphia congregation was refused recognition by the Pentecostal Alliance of Independent Churches. In the end, the church seemed only to serve as a means to an end for Usa and Fosmo. Both of them needed a base to control and manipulate their followers. The congregation at Canopy trusted them and served their purpose. Once Fosmo's wicked mission was carried out, the rest of the church was abandoned. Now all that remains are the tragic memories of those who suffered because of their pastor's sinful desires. Thanks again for tuning into Cults. We'll be back next Tuesday with a new episode. For more information on Helga Fosmo, amongst the many sources we used, we found the book Violence and New Religious Movements by James R. Lewis, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals, like Cults, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Cults on Spotify, just open the app and type Cults in the search bar. We'll see you next time. Cults was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Russell Nash. With production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Cults was written by John Levinson. With writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. And stars Greg Polson and Vanessa Richardson.